Thanks so much for joining us online today. I'm glad that so many of you, no matter where you are or why you're not in person with us, are spending time with us. Just want to give a special welcome to our Alder Grove campus, who is not meeting at St. Dunstan's this week, but we are so glad you can join us online today. We've been in our series called Made for Mondays for a while now, and today we're wrapping it up. So this is one of your first times here or first time in a long time. It might be like you're coming into a movie just at the end. So just would like to catch you up before we jump in today. Over these last few weeks, we've been talking about how we've all been created to work. The desire to work is in our DNA. God even called work good. But for some of you, work isn't good. For some of you, work brings dread. For many of us, we're just living for the weekend. And I know God doesn't want us to live that way. He, he created us to work. And we need to find purpose in our jobs so we're not just filling a role, but we're working in our giftings and working alongside God and bringing order to this very disordered world. You can always go back and see any of these messages on our YouTube channel. We have loved the feedback we've been getting from this series. Many of you have been encouraged to make your jobs more than a paycheck and think through the purpose of your work. The biggest thing that I'm taking from this series is really the way that God views work. I was impacted by how work, it, work was interwoven into the story of creation. And right from the very first chapter of Genesis, we see God working. Right from the beginning, we see God separating the waters from the heavens and the waters from the earth. And now, I don't know what that looked like, it, but it seems to be a little chaotic as I read it. Probably a little like Abbotsford has been in these last week. Water everywhere. We're trying to bring order from chaos. and The water should go back where it should be. This is where we've talked about the pattern where meaningful work takes place. There's, there's chaos and we work and it brings order. So whether it's you taking raw materials and putting something creative together or taking random ideas and forming thoughts that make sense to solve problems, good jobs take chaos and bring order. It makes the world a better place. So right from the beginning, we see God taking what seems to be a chaotic world and brings order. God works, and then he asks us to partner with him to take the world from chaos to order. He asks humans to come along and do a part. We see in Genesis, before the original sin, Adam helping out God and working alongside of God. He's naming the animals, chaos, to order. Maybe before Adam named all the animals, they were just called things, which probably created some kind of confusion. I don't think that naming the animals is above God's skill set. But he wanted humans to help. He asked Adam to come alongside him and participate in the creation story. I shared this idea with the Aldergrove campus a few weeks ago that it's almost like a parent who bakes with their kids. Baking without kids would be done better <laughs> and quicker and probably a lot less messy. But parents can learn to enjoy the time together and they are helping their children to know that they can create too. God could have done all the creation by himself. And when you think about it, if God created this world, do you think he could do your job as well? But he continues this sharing of creating, humankind coming alongside in the creative process, helping God mold this world he created. So today, 
Uh, I want to talk a little bit about what it looks like for us to partner with God in all the areas of our lives, to bring God's creative work into our workplaces, being more than just an employee, more than just someone pulling in a paycheck, getting the 40 hours in for the week so we can just have a break. What would it look like to partner with God at your jobs and continue to help create what God has started in the lives of the people that you work with? There's a guy who wrote a lot of the New Testament. His name is Paul, and he gives some life advice to his readers that we can apply to the places that we work. You can turn to Romans chapter 12 if you have your Bibles or follow along in your YouVersion app on your phones if you'd like. But before we, like, before we take a look at what Paul says, let's just look at a little bit of background. Paul is writing to a gathering of Jesus followers in Rome. Now, Rome is a city that he's never been to. Now, Rome back then would have been the center of the known world, center of commerce. Many would think that there's about a million people living in Rome at the time, which is quite amazing. So it's probably the largest city in the world. It's probably the same way that we think of New York City now. But Paul gives some advice to the followers of Jesus who made it to Rome and were start, trying to start a Christian community there. Now, just a reminder, Romans chapter 12 is the chapter where Paul, right at the beginning of this section, talks about how followers of Jesus should think of themselves. They need to think of themselves as living sacrifices, people who are looking to give of themselves to the God that they serve. And in a minute, we're going to see that the, one of the ways that you serve God is to serve the people who are around you. So everything that we need to read, we need to filter with that mindset. In light of those wanting to serve God and those around us, how does this look? Now, if you don't believe in Jesus, you don't have to participate. Even if you don't believe in him or, or you don't, you're not serving him, if you follow what Paul says, you will be better off at work. But if you do call yourself a Jesus follower, this is something you need to get in your life. This living a sacrificial lifestyle where you are trying to find out how you can put others ahead of you. Now, we could probably spend a week on every one of the topics that Paul addresses in these very short verses and sentences. But let's pick up Paul's letter to the Jesus followers in Rome in Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Paul says, don't just pretend to love others. Now, let's stop there for now. There is so much in this statement. When I read, just don't pretend to love others, it, it makes me pause. I wonder, what does pretending to love someone look like? I need to know because Paul makes it sound like a bad idea and I want to know that I'm not doing it. I think we've all seen it, but sometimes the hardest person to see it is in ourselves. When I hear the phrase, don't just pretend to, uh, to love others, I, I think along the lines of people loving other people to get something out of it. But in reality, that's not love. That's a transaction. We don't have the time to go into what real love is, but the bottom line is only loving someone to get something out of it isn't real love. Another thing that comes to mind is saying I love you without backing it up with action. If that's what love is to you, that's not love. That's, that's manipulation. I will tell you what I think you want to hear just to make you feel good. So how do we at our workplaces not pretend to love someone by not looking for something out of it or backing it up with action? Now, I, I know it's easy to tell someone that you love them, but it's harder to show that you love them. I think when it comes to work and your coworkers, you might want to avoid the, saying, the, the, the sayings, I love you out loud. <laughs> that might be a good way to get into a meeting with HR. But what does it look like not to pretend to love someone and really love them? Maybe 
at work, the love word isn't used too much. It, it, it might be, I care about you and who you are as a person. Asking them not only how they're doing at their jobs, but genuinely asking questions about how they're doing in their personal lives. When something happens in the lives of the people in, in your workplace, or you want to take some time and hear out the issue that they're facing on a coffee break, or do you just pretend that this is a normal day? You know, someone at your job lost a parent or their children are struggling with something or are you one to go over and give them support? No, 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 don't get me wrong. It doesn't even have to be bad news. Can you celebrate with your coworkers when something good happens in their lives? Maybe, maybe they moved into a new house or someone in their family got a promotion or maybe they got a promotion. Maybe a promotion that you thought you should have gotten. <laughs> no, man, that would be hard. But I think that shows that you care. It shows them that you love them when you acknowledge their wins, their wins and their losses together. Maybe a great question is, do people trust you enough in your workplace to share their struggles with you? I think that genuine love brings that out in people. When you work, uh, I want your coworkers to say, I, I don't know if I believe what they believe but I want to work with people just like them. They care about me. I like it if your employer said, I don't know what I believe if they believe, but I want more of them in my company. They're always hardworking. I never have to worry if they're stealing anything and they, they're always putting an honest day's work in. It seems like they genuinely love the people that they work with and, and, and the job that they do. You know, uh, years ago, I, I remember in one of the neighborhoods where we lived, Someone a few doors down came and told us that they were moving. Now, we didn't know them that well, but we found out that they told the people that, that they were right next door to and that they were moving, and those neighbors burst out in tears. They were going to miss them so much. You know what? I loved that reaction. I could see that these neighbors loved each other. It got me wondering. I, I wondered, will anyone cry when I leave this neighborhood? Now they cried because the people were, who were moving were fantastic to live beside. They took care of their house when they were away. These people were elderly, so they helped with the shoveling of the snow. They would check in on them and make sure they had everything that they, that they needed at all times. These weeping neighbors were thinking, I don't know what you believe, but you've made an impact on our family. I don't know what you believe, but I know that you aren't pretending just to love me. I don't know what you believe, but when you say things like, let me know if I can help, you know what? I really believe that you mean it because you go above and beyond what an average neighbor would do. Do people feel the same with you in the place you work? If you were not to go to work tomorrow, would your coworkers miss you? Would they remember how you made them feel? Would they wish they could hire more people just like you? When you leave, is your boss going to say something like that? I, I, I hope you work hard. I hope you do your best. But will they miss you or just the work you do? My hope is that if you're really loving the people around you, that they will miss the work you do. But my hope is that those around you, they're going to miss you even more. I sure hope we can figure out what it looks like, not just to pretend to love others in our workplaces. So let's pick up this letter that Paul wrote to Rome again in Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with a genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. 
Verse 11 says, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Paul talks about loving people. And now in verse 11, he's talking about not being lazy, working hard and serving the Lord enthusiastically. So what does it look like to serve the Lord enthusiastically? Paul just doesn't want them to serve the Lord, but serve the Lord enthusiastically. What, what does that look like? The way that Paul words this, it's, it's almost like working hard and serving the Lord enthusiastically is almost like the same act. Paul is saying that if you work hard at whatever you do, you will be serving God enthusiastically. There are two specific phrases in this verse. The, the, the first phrase, never be lazy, is the translation of the Greek word meaning a combination of urgency and hardworking. The idea that you need to do it now and you need to do it well with purpose. It's possibly frantic to be urgent without focus and discipline. <laughs> I think we've all seen people who are busy, but they never get anything done. It's possibly hardworking without a sense of urgency. We've also seen someone get something important done, but it could have been done at 90% as well in a quarter of the time. Paul is encouraging us to be both urgent and disciplined. Second, when the verse says, serve the Lord enthusiastically, the, the Greek literally says, as to your spirit boiling. So we're asked to bring emotion, discipline, and urgency to the tasks our job at our, at our jobs, and at the same time being living sacrifices. I think the bottom line is Paul's encouraging us to live and work with passion. When Paul says serve the Lord enthusiastically, I think there's it's more than when you're serving at a church ministry or with people that you like, or but serve the Lord enthusiastically in every aspect of your lives, even at work. So what does it look like to serve the Lord at your places of employment? For some of you, this might be hard. We know that to love others is a way to love God. So how do you really love people that you work with? Remember, as we work, our main goal is to take chaos and bring order. That's what God does with his work. And that's what we attempt with what we do. So how can we come alongside God and continue the creation that he has already started? What would it look like for you to take chaos in the lives of those we work with and bring order into their lives? Not just their jobs, but bring order and maybe make them better employees. Maybe just as a reminder, God created this earth. The creation story of Genesis is all about a God who created. God could have finished the whole job, but he invited Adam to come along and help him out. Not because he needed the help, but because he wants us to take ownership. God asked Adam to name the animals that he created. So what would it look like for you to serve God enthusiastically and help with the creation process with the people that you work with? Adam's job was to name the animals. They were already created. All that Adam had to do was come alongside God and call out the identity that God had given them. What if you were the one at your job to call it what God has created in your coworkers? Uh, I'm, talking about, uh, I'm talking about the calling and the gifting that God has given them. You know, hey, Elise, I noticed that when you, when you led that meeting last week, you did a great job at keeping us on track when we got off on rabbit trails. You are so good at that. Elise, you are a great organizer. Olivia, you do such a great job at dealing with disgruntled customers. Olivia, you are amazing at making peace. 
Tommy, you're always smiling when people walk into this office. It's always nice to work with you. Tommy, you have a great positive outlook on life. How would your workplace change if you came alongside Jesus and named out what he had already created into the, in the people that you work with? If the number one struggle that people face in the workplace is self-doubt, just chaos. Asking themselves if they really have what it takes, more chaos. How do you think they'd react if someone came alongside of them and encouraged them with what God has already placed in their lives that's bringing things into order? And they, you know what? They might not even know Jesus. This is all chaos to order. Maybe our workplaces would be less toxic if we learned to love each other by bringing the best out of each other, by naming the good things that God has already placed in each other's lives. How can you serve the Lord enthusiastically at work? By serving others, by living our lives as a living sacrifice. We need to remember that a great way to love God is to love the people that he created. And maybe one of the best ways to do that is come alongside God and create in, the li- in their lives. What are you doing? Uh, you, 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 are po- you are pointing out to them what God has already created in their lives. That's what you're doing. Maybe without even knowing that there is a God. God creates us, and it's our job to name the creation. We are the ones who have to call them out, tell them their identity. What if we took this approach at work? What if we became the most encouraging coworkers? We saw things in others that we liked, and we told people about it. If God is still creating, and we are still working alongside of him, maybe our job is to call it what God has created them to be, what we see in them what God created in them. And in a way, we're trying to help them see their creator by pointing out the fingerprint of God in their lives that they might not even see yet. If your real desire is to truly love those around you, maybe the best way for you to do that is just let them know the real strengths that you see in their lives. To genuinely love someone is to tell them who they really are and call out the creation inside of them. To call out what God has already done in their lives and just like the creation story, to name them from what God has already created them to be. Let's pray. Father, in a place of amazing self-doubt where we have anxiety going to work and we know that there's people in our workplaces that have anxiety, God, I pray that we would continue to look for ways that we can, we can take chaos and bring order into the lives that we work with. So Father, even this week, I pray that we might point some different things out in people's lives that they do really well. And what we're doing is we're naming the amazing qualities that Jesus has already placed in their lives. God, help us to be the most encouraging places and workplaces in, in the Fraser Valley. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's a question of the day, a chance for you to reflect on what you just heard and take some action this week. Here's the question. What do you see in some of your coworkers that you admire? What would it look like to tell them about that this week? Tell them that you appreciate them and what you appreciate about them. Take a minute and think about that or chat with the people you are watching with. What would some of the toxic workplaces that some of you work in start to look like if we just took this approach? What do you think that you could bring if you genuinely loved each other, the people that you work with? What would it look like for you to come alongside Jesus and help people name themselves? How different would your workplace be if you came alongside of God and named what he had already created in the lives of your coworkers? I truly believe if we lived this way, we would not only understand that we were made for Mondays, 
but maybe the people who we work with would, would show up and who are working with us, and maybe they would find out that they were made for Mondays as well. Now to him, who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us in this series, Made for Mondays. Next week, we start a brand new series called Get Ready, where we're going to be celebrating Advent. We sure hope to see you back here next week.